This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. By the book on BFM 89.9. Hello, everybody, and welcome to By the Book with Lee Chui Lin and, as always, my fellow reader. Sharmila Ganesan. Hello. So um, today, I'm quite excited actually because we have a special guest joining us for the show. Um, the writer of Saleh Bin Junit, Truth, Beauty, Amok and Belonging. Uh, we have joining us Saleh Bin Junit's daughter, uh, as well as a writer and musician, Anna Saleh. Um, Anna, thank you so much for joining us today. Great to be here. Um, so I think to begin with, it isn't surprising that um, after his passing, there would be efforts to memorialise and honour your father's legacy. Uh, but what brought you to wanting to do this? I imagine that it must be, um, you know, both a rewarding but also somewhat challenging decision. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah, well, I, I became aware sometime in the uh, past 10 years uh, that my father had had an impact of some kind in a way in, in, in Malaysian literary arts world. And for most of my life, he was just my abba and I used to write to, to him. We, we had fun together. But I really didn't understand anything about his uh, public life in Malaysia, really. And so, but I couldn't help notice as time went on uh, that people seemed to think he was doing, he did something important. So I started investigating and interviewing people because I'm a journalist in one of, one of my hats is as a journalist. And um, that's when I started discovering about my own father's public uh, uh, life um, as a, as, as a poet um, and as a public intellectual. And I, I was amazed. And then, of course, when he died in 2020, uh, the outpouring was overwhelming. I, 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 was, I was stuck in Sydney at the time because of COVID. I wasn't able to come back when I was supposed to. And, um, yeah, I was just amazed uh, at the outpouring. Uh, and and over the years also since we started, friends started um, a, some, a blog and a Facebook group uh, to get his work out and I, I don't know, since 2016 I think it was, I, people were contacting me, a lot of young people were contacting me wanting to know more about uh, Pat Saleh and uh, <laughs> And, and that that was intriguing to me as well. So all of these things were kind of intriguing my journalistic mind and I guess uh, the daughter's mind as well. Um, so that's that's what kind of drew me in and it became a, a sort of, uh, it became something I had to do, you know, one of those. <laughs> so you're based in Australia. Um, you know, a lot of this that you're talking about that you just alluded to or reference to, of course, um, that legacy, the 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 um, adulation of his work is in Malaysia. Talk to us about the process of putting this together, especially as as you mentioned also, a large part of this um, was with you being there um, and yet having to kind of work across borders as well. Yeah. Yes, very much so. It's 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 interesting, isn't it? Because I was I was born in Tasmania, which is a little island that hangs off <laughs> Australia, <laughs> and um, I, I, and that's where where Saleh studied English for and and, and did things for ten years, um, and then I went uh, to Malaysia when I was nine and spent three years there, 
learnt the language, went to school, you know, and it's always stuck with me big time. And then went back and lived with my mum in Sydney. And then so I've been uh, back and forth, obviously, over the years. Um, but I am, if funnily enough, like him in a way, an outsider as well in my own way. So it's an interesting process writing this as an outsider and yet he's my dad so there's this closeness but I'm an outsider to a whole lot of stuff in, in that, that goes on in Malaysia. So um, I guess I in, in approached it like any journalistic research project. I just uh, learned as much as I could about what was going on by talking to people, by looking at documents, by, yeah. So one thing that I really wanted to get at is that the book ties many strands together. There's biographical writing, um, it's interspersed with personal photographs, um, there's also poetry, of course. Um, talk to us about how you wanted the book to to feel, I think, in many ways. What did you want it to evoke? Yeah, that's a really interesting uh, question because actually it started off, the idea was to have a special collection of his poetry, a special, yeah, a, a special collection, a collector's edition, whatever. Then we thought, because oh, we, so we'll have some photos with it. And then it became, and then we'll have stories about the people he dedicated the poetry to. And then it became, <laughs> so it just grew from there because once you start bringing in all of these factors, you then have to kind of shape it in some way. And and so it took me a long time to realise what it was this book uh, had become, which was his literary journey told through that the poet, the poems being a kind of a backbone for a lot of it, the poems that he dedicated to important people in the literary and arts world, people that were inspired by him and that he inspired. So they were his important relationships in his literary journey. And they were also family members did that too, of course. I wanted people to really try and get a, an idea of the range of different things that were important to Saleh whether it was ideas or people or uh, um, literary heroes. Uh, so I wanted people to see the highs and lows to some extent, although this is not a really personal take, not like my podcast, which I did a podcast which was mm. much more personal. It was, you know, a lot more because um, radio is great for that, right, or um, <laughs> audio. Uh, yeah, so what did I want people to feel? Gee, that's a hell What I wanted people to feel. Well, I just wanted them to to have an insight into the many worlds of Saleh Benjonid. There are so many worlds. He had so many gangs. That's a, something that Yi Ilan said, the, <laughs> the artist. He said, oh, your, your, your dad had so many gangs, so many, uh, you know, groups of people that he would uh, relate to. And because he, he, he loved to bring his life, liveliness and provoca pro provocations to everything. To, to the literary world, to the world of arts, to the, as you know, through <laughs> some of his most uh, um, uh, famous performance art at Dewan Bahasa Pustaka. Uh, yeah, so he, he, I wanted people to just see the variety 
Variety was a really big thing for Saleh. He loved variety. Yeah. I'm glad you... I'm glad you decided to supplement the, the the writing and the poetry with the more personal um, stories because actually I'm really curious about how his upbringing, his life experiences shaped his writing. Mm, well, hopefully you you get a bit of that from the book. I mean, on the one hand, he was always the precocious child that he was when he was in the village you know uh, there's a famous story about his he he used to have a really loud voice well no he had a loud voice always he was loud right he could be very loud for anyone that knew him he was loud and then some people would run many people would run for cover when he came <laughs> in because it was too much I remember talking to uh Wong Pui Nam about um him and and you know he said when he was when he was on, it was overwhelming. And some people did find that. I know they did. I mean, we did. I mean, family did, of course. He had many ups and downs. I hope one of the things that come through in the book is his love of his Malay kampong upbringing, many aspects of that really permeate his being and he loves the he, he he loved the eroticism of it, the um, humor, uh, and all of these aspects which some people might say have tended to be quietened down a bit now um, in 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 Malay culture. So uh, he really wanted to celebrate that a lot. And so I think that that was an important thing. That was important as time went on, um, bringing that together with his absolute um, fascination with Western literature, his voracious reading, the fact that he would just absorb all of this stuff and then kind of try to express his Malay soul through that lens, or I should say express all of that world literature through the Malay lens. So his life experiences from the Kampong right through to his wild years in Tasmania during the 60s and then the experience on his return to Malaysia in 73 and what he found then, all of those things uh, really shaped what he ended up writing. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, personal experiences like the death of my younger sister mm. in Tasmania and all kinds of other things, yes. Was it difficult excavating some of the more challenging parts of your father's life? Uh, well, I didn't go too much into his uh mental health issues in this book, just acknowledging them. Uh, certainly it was more of an issue when I was doing the, the podcast because I went more into that and, you know, knowing how much of that to show and, you know, there are, there are sensitivities mm. around that, obviously. But for this book, you know, it was suffice to say that, uh, yeah, to, to acknowledge that it was a challenge for his family and for those he worked with uh, when he couldn't deliver because of his depression or, or whatever. Yeah, so I, 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 I guess I had a bit of practice 
<laughs> that with the with the podcast. So it was less of an issue in in this in the book. Um, in terms of his way, he challenged mores and stuff like that. Um, a lot, a lot of that stuff's been published. It's been out there, so uh, I think people have been challenged <laughs> already. We're speaking today with Anna Saleh, who is a writer and musician, about her book Saleh Ben Jonet: Truth, Beauty, Amok, and Belonging. Um, let us know. Do you love Saleh Ben Jonet's work? Really, I think is the appropriate question today. You can WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine and tweet us at BFM Radio. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hello, everybody. You're listening to Buy the Book with Lynn and Sharmila and our guest today, Anna Saleh, who is a writer and musician and um, has a just about to launch book, Saleh Bin Jonet, Truth, Beauty, Amok and Belonging. And um, Anna, your your book references the growing of the Saleh Bin Jonet legend. And I think there's something you alluded to earlier as well, that this was... Um, sort of a, a realisation of, of sorts on your part as well. Um, but it also acknowledges his reputation in the Malaysian cultural landscape. How did all of that contrast against um, the, the man you knew personally? Well, I think that I remember when I was uh, doing the podcast, doing lots of interviews for that, and I was he was still alive then, and I explained to him what I was doing. By this stage, he was not very vocal he was he was retreating into himself so it was hard to get stuff out of him but he did say to me one day he said oh it's like I'm important or something like there was this <laughs> there was this sort of innocent kind of not he was nonplussed in a way yeah it, it was quite interesting I think he like people would say he, he had a huge ego and would just sort of go all over the place and make noise and you know, I guess he had the you know usual sort of um, <laughs> I was going to say masculine ego, um, but at the same time, I don't. I always feel that he he didn't really. He was driven by just what he was driven by, which was you know the desire to provoke discussion, to uh, get people to think for themselves, to. Um, uh, you know, bring, try and communicate beauty or whatever, all of these different aspects that, that he cared about. Yeah, I mean, there's always many sides to people, as we know. Um, and as a, as a father, he was, you know, I think I used the term infuriatingly lovable. Um, <laughs> he was infuriating and lovable. So, um and that's a completely different person from the legend. I mean, the legend is 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 whatever he conjures for people, whatever he provokes people to consider. Um, and I think that is so fascinating. I mean, I'm just amazed, for example, that there's just been the staging of his play, The Amok of Matsolo. Yes. By Aswara. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's so fascinating to listen to young people talk about Saleh and what he means to them you know and 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 that that's just a really fascinating thing because obviously the human the person doesn't do all that it's it's their work and their words that 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 um hopefully um helps growth 
in some way in, in the world. One thing I wanted to come back to, if I could, I don't know, maybe you've got your questions running out of time. No, here, no, but go ahead. No, go ahead. One thing I found really quite challenging with this book, you, you're asking about challenges, was to do with the fact that, well, it was it was quite complex to produce uh, for a start because you've got all of the different types of content, the prose by him, the poetry by him, the stories by me, the pictures, the illustrations, all of that stuff. Uh, so, yeah, it was quite a complex thing. But in addition to that, it was uh, bilingual, um, mm. not as much Malay in there as English. Obviously, it is biased towards English, but there is still some Malay stuff in there. But a lot of challenges with that, um, different uh, conventions in, 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 in poetry, for example, and, oh, my gosh, there was there were so many things. But also I've, I realised something that I feel that I've seen noticed is the fact that there is like different worlds well languages language forms our reality right there are different worlds and there is the english-speaking world in malaysia and there is the malay-speaking world in malaysia and i find that it's sometimes i feel like i i'm talking to different groups of people when, when you know the, the crossover there, it's it's is not always as big as one imagines that it would be. Well, not from my point of view. So I found that an interesting process. I don't know if that made sense at all, but um. <laughs> no, I, I actually think it it's actually a really important thing to talk about because I've often read his works in in Malay and the particularity of the language and some of the imagery. Um, I, I would struggle with translating it into English. So completely makes sense. Um, I am curious, though, speaking about his writing, how do you hope the book will contribute to the appreciation as well as the preservation of your father's legacy? I mean, ultimately, how do you hope your father will be remembered? I hope he'll be remembered as a true patriot, in a sense. He really... He, he, despite everything he went through, and I hope that people reading the book will see that, you know, his struggle in, in that respect, um, it, writing in English at a time when it was on the nose to write from, you know, from national literature point of view and all that sort of stuff. And uh, he didn't leave Malaysia. He, he had opportunities to leave Malaysia many times, um, a lot of writers ha did leave Malaysia at that time that he was writing because they didn't couldn't get any traction writing in English um he but he was bilingual he wanted to be bilingual he felt it was important he felt English could be a really important uh language for bringing people together a second language of course not you know like a second national <laughs> not national language but um lingua franca uh so and he didn't leave and he wanted to he wanted to see a truly inclusive malaysia uh and he wanted um to model a different way to be uh malay as well you know open um, um so yeah uh, I hope that people remember him as someone who really wanted Malaysia to be uh, really a really great place for everyone to be. Anna, thank you so much for joining us today.
Thank you very much. Uh, we've been speaking today with Anna Saleh, who is a writer and musician and also um, the daughter of Saleh bin Jonid, uh, one of Malaysia's most eminent poets. Um, and we're talking with Anna primarily today about the book Saleh bin Jonid, Truth, Beauty, Amak and Belonging, which will be launched later this month at the Georgetown Literary Festival. Uh, let us know. Have you read Saleh bin Jonid? Are there works of his that you particularly love? You can WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio and write to us at bythebook at bfm.my. That brings us to footnotes. And uh, for today, actually, we're doing a... I think just something that's been making the rounds in literary circles, uh, making the rounds on websites, uh, just this question of how it is or the role that literature can play in helping us understand what is happening in Palestine and what is happening to Palestinians. And I think um, it just feels especially timely to do in a in a period where we're all talking about bearing witness, uh, we're all talking about what it means to honour a people. Stories are one way to go about that. Yes, so I've been seeing a lot of uh, posts and uh, uh, reels and so on recommending books by uh, people from Palestine or people of Palestinian descent as one way to understand the crisis. Or perhaps not to understand necessarily. Well, okay, hang on. I need to correct myself. So um, on the one hand, obviously, a lot of nonfiction, a lot of analyses uh, by academics or even uh, journalists from Palestine. But on the other hand, fiction or poetry by Palestinian writers as a way to understand but also empathize with the decades-long conflict that these people have been living under, right? Because um, I know it can be a lot when it comes to consuming news and it can be relentless, it can be a lot to take in. I think that one way to do that, but in a, a slightly more, uh, in a quieter and perhaps in a in a more personal way, is to read these writings. And, and I think the thing that a lot of people are pointing out, which I love, and it struck a real chord with me, is that it's also a way to keep these stories alive. Because as we're talking about a community, a people in crisis, their words and their stories and their histories are so important to continue to share. Before we get to some books uh, that have been recommended, either written about the Palestinian uh, the Palestinian struggle, but actually primarily from Palestinians. Uh, before we get there, I also wanted to say that there is something important about reading helping you to find the right words. And I don't mean to find the right words to talk about emotionally difficult situations. I'm talking about how uh, I think in the media and in discourse in general, there has been this ongoing push to use the correct language when talking about Palestinians and Israelis. For example, um, why on the one hand, some people will call it a war and others will call it a genocide. Um, who are settlers? Who are we referring to when you say settler and settler violence? Islands. Um, what is the meaning of the word terrorist? Um, you know, so I think all these things, in order to, in order to guide us into using the correct words, and words are so important in talking about this because they set the they set the stage for a lot of the context that I think is often missing uh, when when trying to talk about it. In trying to get the right words going, 
reading a lot helps. Absolutely. I think reading helps with trying to find the language to express these things and why it's important that not the right language, but the meaning, the best meaningful language is used. I also think that particularly fiction, allows us to access uh, the lives and experiences of uh, Palestinians or even uh, Palestinian migrants in a way that perhaps the news doesn't always allow. It is absolutely important to know what's happening in terms of current affairs, in terms of the, the politics of the situation. But what is all this for? What is the humanity behind this? I do think that's where fiction can come in. And um, there are so many resources online. The one that I've been looking at most recently is one by LitHub, where they uh, put out a list of 40 books to understand Palestine. And there's so many any great suggestions there. Um, a lot of the writers I hadn't been familiar with before looking at this list. Um, I'm already adding things to my reading list from this. Uh, but I have, for instance, heard about Salt Houses by Hala Alian, which uh, was getting a lot of attention when it came out. And it talks about migrating out of uh, Palestine as well. Um, there are also suggestions of, I think, resources that are a little bit more um, uh, academic in terms of uh, things like Edward Said, for instance, and trying to understand this history that goes behind the Israel-Palestine uh, war at this point. Yeah, I think the mix of fiction, non-fiction and uh, poetry are, is is a great way of thinking about getting a more holistic view of a people, um, a people, their writing, their stories, their culture. And um, Hala Alian's Salt Houses, like you said, is something that I was really interested in because it takes place um, not just in Palestine, but also onwards, right, to, to the countries where Palestinians were displaced too. And I think um, in that, in terms of that creation of empathy, sometimes fiction really goes a long way. Um, I was also very intrigued by Palestinian walks, forays into a vanishing landscape, and that's by Raja Shehade. And that has to do with the landscape of Palestine, and I think um, in in trying to understand the space of a very contested land, um, of in trying to understand and familiarize yourself with the landscape, having somebody just talk about the beauty of of their homeland, um, of the beauty of these aimless walks, um, is is a lovely thing, and I would like to try and find that. I. Um, you can find it online, um, which is, I think, where you would expect. But you can also read excerpts in a variety of places. You mentioned poetry earlier, Lynn. Um, I've been seeing so many searing pieces of poetry being shared online uh, by Palestinian poets. Mm. Um, so one that's on the LitHub list, which um, I had only read excerpts of her work was uh, is Born, Born Palestinian Born Black by Suhair Hamad but I've also been reading a lot of poetry by Mahmoud Darwish who is a renowned Palestinian poet and um, a lot of his works have been sharing have been shared as well because they really capture the experience of living under occupation for so many decades. So all of which to say um the Lit Hub list is not the only one that's out there. You you can find a number of these sorts of resources and we both highly recommend. Um, I think I certainly have placed a number of these books on my to-read list. And in general, now's a good time really to bear witness 
in, in our own ways. Yes, I think that's absolutely the way to put it. So we've been talking today about uh, about Palestinian voices, perspective and literature in light of what's happening in Palestine. Uh, let us know if you have recommendations perhaps that you'd like to share. Um, have you read any books by Palestinians or about Palestine that, that you found moving or that you found interesting? You can WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio and write to us at by the book at bfm.my. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, Download the BFM app.